It's time for the June 17th, 2022 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review. A personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting on National Eat Your Vegetables Day from the University of California at Irvine in the backyard of KCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Carson. You what? I know, that came out all... I am Mike Kaspar. You are Mike Kaspar. Jesus, that sounded bad. Yeah, and as always, you're excited. I am. I'm a little hyped up. And as always, Southern California's most popular tourist destination, Mahler, the fake news dog. Oh, yeah. There he is. Sweetheart. Today, we'll be talking about catnip. The Mr. Trash Wheel family, a transcontinental aquifier system, talking trash cans, and so on. But first, mm-hmm. do you like popcorn? I do. You do? You I like it a lot. I mean, could you just sit there and eat like a huge... I had some last night, as oh, a matter really? of fact. Yeah, you were watching the game last night. I was night. watching the game, stuffing that uh, popcorn yeah. in my mouth. Uh, I, I do a combo. Yeah. Jared Joe's has an herb uh, popcorn and a... Um, Cheddar sprinkled cheddar cheese yeah. on one, of the, so I mix the two together, and wow. it is a, it is a melange of flavor. And yes, I do like popcorn. Uh, so we were talking about herb. They have and an her- cheddar, herb and spice. They call it herb and spice. Herb and spice. Uh, is it a hot spice? No, not at all. It's, it's a, a very understated. It's kind of like a almost like an oregano and some other kind of spices in there. And then they have a white cheddar cheese popcorn that is exquisite. Now, do you? Watch movies and eat popcorn. Last night I was watching, uh, I was watching repeat of the hearings from yesterday. Yeah. But do you watch movies and eat popcorn? Oh yeah, I do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least of course. Do you Whatever. ever go to the movies and eat popcorn? Uh, I used to. No, not anymore. You that, think that, it's gauche? I think it's well. It's just the crap that they actually used ah, to make. It. It's, it's the butter and the, it's the all fake that whatever stuff. that stuff is. I don't from think Variety. That, yes, you hear that uh, entertainment? Uh, yes, uh, it's a magazine rag. A rag. In the wake of a record-breaking Memorial Day weekend, thanks to Top Gun Maverick. Yes. Yeah. I don't ever want to see that movie in my life. Me neither. Me neither. Movie theaters are facing a new dilemma. Dilemma. Mm -hmm. Experts are worried about a popcorn shortage. Uh Uh-huh. I think this is just an ad to get people to go to the movies (laughs) so that they can go through the anxiety of whether there'll be popcorn or not. And then they'll explode when there's no popcorn. That's right. In the car on the way over there, they'll be driving over. They'll be thinking, oh, boy, I hope they have popcorn. I hope there's not a shortage. I sure hope there's not a shortage. Yeah, yeah. and then they and get then there. A popcorn shortage could wreak havoc. Oh, it's already. With movie theater profits as Hollywood prepares for more summer blockbusters, the shortage is partially because farmers are growing less corn in favor of more profitable cops, crops, like heroin poppies and cannabis. <laughs> And if they're better for the movie anyway, <laughs> don't you think? I would think. What would you rather have at a movie? A rather be high or yeah, or a, or a yeah. box of popcorn. I don't, I don't think know. there's any question about that. <laughs> I, don't I don't even think I, you have to I ask. I like a, both. Yeah, but I don't think you really have to ask a question, do you? But there are other reasons for yeah. this possible shortage. Mm-hmm. For example, suppliers are having trouble getting the lining for the inside of the popcorn bags. Hmm. There's a shortage of those. And everything from oil used to pop the corn to the glue used for the boxes that hold the oil are facing supply chain issues. Hmm. Maybe on? maybe you could do it like a, a two-hander 
popcorn. So you walk up, you put your cup, your hands together. Uh huh. They pour popcorn in there. Because they don't have the bags. Yeah, for the don't boxes have the bags. Anymore. So they charge yeah, they... you like a dollar. A dollar for That's a two-hander. You bring your own bag. Oh, you bring your own bag. Well, what if you bring a shopping bag? You, you know can I mean? do that, yeah. but they charge you by the uh, ounce or yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay, that's that's a good idea. Yeah. That's I a think family so. I think size. They, that's what they should do. Yeah, is just have a dispenser. Exactly. You bring your own bag. Well, yes. So if you don't even have a bag, you can just hold your shirt out. Hold you your know? shirt out. Yeah. Well, like the, they have those those uh, ice cream dispensers where you just pull down on the handle uh-huh. and it just squirts out uh-huh. that. That glutinous material that looks like ice cream uh-huh. out of there, and then you can eat it. So you get popcorn tokens. Yeah, tokens. Popcorn, yeah. You put them in yeah, this machine. Well, yeah. This is the way that people become millionaires. Right here, right here, right here, right now. <sighs> yeah. You ever feed your cats popcorn? Oh no! Well, that's a big, giant, forbidden thing really? in our family. Absolutely. Don't feed the cat popcorn. One of the one of our cats. This is a true story. One of our cats swallowed a kernel, unpopped kernel, unpopped kernel, and died. Oh. Yes. Gray, what? the dog, the, the 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 cat's name was Gray. Gray, when was this? Oh God, twenty five years ago. But that it actually got lodged in its throat. And you saw it die? No, we, we didn't. Couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. Took it to the vet. Nah. I don't know. It got infected. Something happened, and he died. Eventually. Yeah, eventually. He didn't just go. Ah, ah, no, no, he didn't uh, choke and fall over and die. He 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 was getting sicker, or, and we couldn't figure out what it was. You poisoned by popcorn? I, I don't know how that happened. Incredible. I'm not a vet. I'm, but he what he do died. You think, he died of popcorn. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, <laughs> Mahler thinks it's pretty funny. Mahler, yeah, yeah, he does. Well, when it comes to cats, you know how he is. You ever give your cats catnip? Yes. Yeah, Trader look, Joe's. Trader Joe's had this little uh, cardboard. You always get everything at Trader Joe's. It had a little For cardboard box. It was and it, and it was uh, like uh, corrugated, and they would put cat. You could put catnip down in the little. Now, did Trader oh, Joe's sell the catnip? They they sold the box and the catnip. So yeah, you got so, so you got the corrugated, you know, the thing. So they would use it to scratch. So you, they made the box yeah. so that kitties would like to get in the box. Well, it was it was, it was too a, small for a kitty. to get It was about three into. inches high. Yeah, and you very would sprink, you would sprinkle the catnip in the openings, the little tiny holes. Oh, I in, see. In the cardboard. Yeah, and they would scratch like crazy because they were trying to get to the catnip, and yeah. they would just fall over on their side eventually because wow. they were just exhausted. It was great. Yeah, great stuff. Capetia cataria. Yeah. Mm. That would be the uh, uh, scientific name for catnip. Okay. Or cat's wart. Okay. We call it that. Cat's wart, yeah. Cat's wart. Or cat mint. Mm. It's a species of the genus uh, Napeta in the family Lamacia. Huh. Uh, native to southern and eastern Europe, the Middle East, Central Asia, and parts of China. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's catnip. That's catnip. Catnip news for you. A new study, this is from Science Alert. Huh. A new study found that a cat's reaction to catnip helps to keep away mosquitoes and other blood-sucking insects. Good to know. A blossoming catnip plant releases 2,000% more bug-repelling iridoids. Uh. That's what they're called, iridoids, when batted about by cats. Yes. You know, so if the plant's just sitting there, it's not doing anything. No. But a cat starts playing with it, and it's getting all these iridoids. That's right. Cat Kush. That's what Uma yeah. liked. She liked cat that. Cush. Cat rhino, cat kush. When exposed to catnip, yeah. which belongs to the mint family, mm-hmm. not the cannabis family, oh, the okay. mint family, okay. the majority of domestic cats will lick it, rub against it, chew it, and roll around in it. Absolutely. And they get high on the stuff, as they, you well know. Yes, I do. They go crazy. They do. They do. Sometimes they lose their minds. Yes. I was playing with a cat on catnip, mm-hmm. and it just grabbed hold of my finger and just dug in with his <laughs> with his teeth, and it was just like puncturing my skin, you know. And yeah. I had to hold it still so it wouldn't rip my finger open. 
yeah. and pry its mouth off my finger, and it just had this wild look in exactly. its face and That's... ran away. Like, <laughs> you know, I've done that. Buddy, yeah, Buddy would get feral. He'd get yeah, into that, exactly. scratching that box, and he'd look at you with these big bug eyes like, yeah. try me. That's what happens when I smoke a little marijuana. <laughs> I get feral. <laughs> For years, this behavior was just another cat-related enigma. Mm. You know cat enigmas. Yeah. You never know what they're doing. No, you don't. You're thinking, why are they doing that? Why are they staring at the corner? <laughs> but a new study published in the journal Science, or iScience, suggests that a cat's reaction to catnip might be explained by the bug-repellent effects of the iridoids, the chemicals in the plants that induce the high. So maybe your cat's high confers an evolutionary advantage, keeping blood-sucking insects at bay. Yeah. As an evolutionary adaptation... Bug-repellent iridoids probably do more to protect plants from plant-eating insects than to protect cats from bug bites. <laughs> okay. You know, so it's doing more for the plants, of yeah. course, than the cats, but what do the cats care? <laughs> Animals rubbing stuff on their bodies is called self-anointing. Oh, well, Yeah, I've done a lot of that. <laughs> and cats rubbing catnip is just one of the many self-anointments in the animal kingdom. Mexican spider monkeys have been known to smear themselves with different kinds of leaves to serve as a social or sexual purpose. Gotcha. On the hunt. Yeah. yeah. Rub leaves on yourself. Yeah, Who hasn't done that? And hedgehogs often rub toxins onto their spines as a form of scent camouflage. Huh? God. Yeah. Hedgehogs. Wow. Wow. No. What do you know? I don't know. What do you, th what do you think, Mahler? <laughs> if this news makes you feel like a monkey... May I recommend a donation to KUCI because why not? Why not? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. <laughs> you know that Darwin's Tree of Life thing? Mm -hmm. You know, he was showing evolution. And how it happened, and he, you mean the this different stages? Yeah, of, of yeah. Human you start off with just one thing at the bottom, yeah, like where the roots are, yeah, and then it just branches out into okay, the yeah, glories of nature. That's right. That we're destroying. Yeah, the maps it maps the history of the evolution of mm -hmm. primates is mm -hmm. what his did. Yeah, you exactly. were thinking about primates there mm -hmm. from the journal Communications Biology, according to a new study. The method by which animals are sorted into evolutionary categories is flawed. Okay. And that it might be time, that's what they're saying, it might be time to build a new trees, those trees, the Darwin tree, mm -hmm. based on modern molecular science and geographic distribution. Okay. Evolutionary trees have been around since Charles Darwin, who used the idea of a tree of life to map out the relationship between humans and primates. Other researchers continued his work developing what are known as phylogenic trees, mm -hmm. diagrams that depict the evolutionary lines, uh, descent of different species, organisms, or genes from a common ancestor. But a recent look at the actual genetic relationships between organisms in those trees reveals that the anatomy-based classification system might be wrong. Okay. Yeah. Trees were historically mapped using morphology, the similarities and differences in organisms' anatomy. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Below the surface, however, creatures can be more genetically similar to organisms that aren't on their traditional tree, 
Although biologists have created molecular trees that map out genetic similarities between species, they often completely contradict the morphological structural classifications that group organisms by how they look. Okay. When the researchers compared morphological trees with trees mapped by molecular science and geographic distribution, they found that those with molecular similarities were more likely to live near one another than those simply, that simply looked like each other. For example, tiny elephant shrews. You ever see one of those guys? No. They're little tiny, like mouse-like shrews. Oh. And they have a nose. It's not like an elephant, but it's about maybe an inch or so long. It's kind of long. Proportionally, proportionally long for their, yeah. for their frame. Yeah, an elephant shrew. Yeah. Aardvarks, elephants, giant golden moles, and uh, swimming manatees have all come from the same big branch of mammal evolution, okay. despite the fact that they look completely different from one another and live in many different ways. Like an elephant shrew yeah. isn't going to be like a manatee. Right. That's exactly like almost the opposite, I would think. Well, this is the beauty of science. You're describing that, yeah, we, we take a, a try to figure things out, to explain yeah. things. And all right, good try, Charles Darwin. And it taught us things. Pardon? It taught us things. Yeah, it taught us it taught things. Us. We, we learned about those similarities. Right. And, be, and it begins a process, which is what science is. It's a process. It's not a final answer. It's a process. Is that right, Mike? I believe so. A process. It's a process. Yes. So good on Charles. Thank you. Thank you. For, good try. I'm sure there are Thank a lot you, of Mr. things. Darwin. Thank you. I think there's a lot of things in Mr. Darwin's tree of life that are probably somewhat correct or closer to correct. Yeah. You know, so thank you. Now, now you, go, you go swimming in the ocean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Not very often anymore. How about but... in the back bay? Did you ever go? No, there? never been. In the... No, no. It's too spooky. Uh, yeah, I just I no reason. Like I'm, I'm not a. I, I go into the ocean because of the waves and it's cool yeah. and I can see the coast. It's moving. It's things are moving around. Yeah. The back bay just seemed like a. It's trashy. Yeah, I think so. All those boats that are out there, all the yeah. diesel fuel that's being spilled wow. into the. And then they throw their. Dung? Drinks over. Okay, yeah. Dung? Did you say dung? <laughs> They're throwing dung around out there? Well, I know those Newport Peninsula well, people are a little bit yeah, uh, well, not right in the head. Well, and I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen spider monkeys on one of those duffies out spider there. Monkeys? Yeah, spider monkeys out oh. on the duff, duffy, you know, those electric boats. Yeah. Just flinging dung all over the place. Huh. Uh, yeah. I think those are the residents. Oh, of, of okay. The I thought Peninsula. they were. I thought they were spider monkeys. They look okay. like spider monkeys. Yeah, they did. They, they take those diet pills, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. From the Orange County Register, Newport Beach is set to be the first city on the West Coast to turn into a relatively to turn to a relatively relatively relatively. Mm. How about that? There you go. Yeah. Low-tech autonomous water wheel system to scoop trash headed toward Upper Newport Bay, the harbor, and the ocean. Mm -hmm. The California Coastal Commission commended the city of Newport Beach for its plan for scooping trash that flows from upstream communities along the San Diego Creek and Santa Ana Deli Channel before it can reach the ocean. But its members, the members of the commission, included with their project approval this week a call for city leaders to do more in their own community by passing laws against single-use plastics and litter from to-go meals. Like they're saying, yeah, it's cool that you have something that's going to clean up the trash, but how about not having the trash there in the first place? Amen. Newport Beach officials said other cities, including Seal Beach, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, have expressed interest in the Mr. Trash Wheel family. 
and contacted them about the details. The idea comes from the Mr. Trash Wheel family operating in Baltimore, Maryland's Inner Harbor. I'm getting a little kickback from the Mr. Trash Wheel <laughs> I guess family so. here. Get a little taste, are we, yeah, Nathan? Huh? Nathan? Okay. All right. Yeah. All They're right. good people. The Mr. <laughs> fine Trash people. Wheel family. Find the, the, you can the... uh, find them online. <laughs> Just search Google under the Mr. Trash Wheel family. And organized crime. Uh, the collect- that collection of water wheels yeah. in yeah. Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, have uh, scooped up more than 2,000 tons of trash and debris since 2014. Mm-hmm. 2,000 tons. Mm-hmm. Far too lazy to chase trash around the ocean. This is from their website, the Mr. Trash Wheel family website. Mm-hmm. A fine organization. A very I, fine uh, organization. For far too lazy to chase trash around the ocean, Mr. Trash Wheel stays put and waits for the waste to flow to him. Uh-huh. Sustainably powered by and built to withstand the biggest storms, Mr. Trash Wheel uses a unique blend of solar and hydropower to pull hundreds of tons of trash out of the water each year. It's like a Reuben E. Lee. Remember the old, uh, you yeah. know, the riverboat type of thing? Yeah. It's got a wheel, <laughs> but it scoops the trash up. That's 1-800-MR-WHEEL. 1-800-MR-WHEEL. Mr. Trash Mr. Wheel. Mr. Trash Wheel. Uh, Newport Beach city officials say their trash wheel could collect as much as 80% of the trash and debris from the ecologically sensitive bay, preventing it from flowing into the harbor of the ocean and onto beaches. The proposed 17-foot Mr. Trash Wheel on, uh, will be on a 70-foot 70 70 barge. So it's 70 feet, 17 feet tall and on a 70-foot barge, and it will be permanently docked four miles upstream of the mouth of Newport Bay and the Pacific Ocean. Mm. Adjacent to a San Diego tree, Creek between uh, Jamboree Road and the 73 Toll Road, which will be near Fletcher Jones Motor Cars. Fletcher, Fletcher Jones. Jones Motor Cars, <laughs> the finest cars you can buy in Southern California. Go to Fletcher Jones Motor Cars and take a look at the Mr. Trashville family. <laughs> By the uh, way, that's a really nice uh, Mercedes uh Camper van you've got Thank out you. on the parking lot. And right? you see what I got in back there? I'm Mr. Trashwheel. Mr. Trashwheel. Yeah. That's 1-800-MR Trashwheel. To fund the project, the city of Newport Beach has a $168 million grant from the California Ocean Protection Council, a $500,000 grant from the Orange County Transportation Agency, and the city itself will kick in another five hundred grand. That sounds good. Yeah, it's, it, on one hand, I like it. Yeah. But there are some people on the council there that are going, well, wait now. Why don't we just pick up our Stop at the trash. source. Get it at the source of yeah. the trash. Dispensing. Yeah, and plus there's a lot of people that go out there and they pull the trash out. Yes. And this article was making it sound like it was this horrible ordeal. Right. But I've done it. Yeah. And I have friends that do it. And it's kind of a fun thing yeah. to go out there and... Pick out the trash. Every year in September, I think it's the second week in September, yeah. you go down to the beach, you, they do a whole beach cleaning thing where they get yeah. thousands of people down on the beach. Yeah, but no, they're going to spend like, what, $3 million on this? Right. On this bloody Mr. Trashwheel family? <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> uh, we'll get to the bottom of that. <laughs> yeah. We will. Mahler, get to the bottom of that, will you? Come on, find out who these people really are. From Scientific American. Uh, Americans spend more on health care than people in any other nation. That's right. Yeah. Yet in any given year, the piecemeal nature of the American medical insurance system causes many preventable deaths and unnecessary costs. 
Not surprisingly, COVID-19 only exacerbated this already dire public health issue, as evidenced by the U.S.'s elevated mortality compared with other high-income nations. Yep. According to findings published in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences USA, from the pandemic's beginning until March, mid-March 2020, universal health care could have saved more than 338,000 lives from COVID-19 alone. 300,000 plus. Yeah, yeah, 300,000 plus, and that's just to March of this year. So it's not recent stuff. The U.S. also could have saved $105.6 billion in health care costs associated with hospitalizations from the, the disease. That's, that's I'm sorry, 1.5? 1. 105. One, that's what I thought. I, I, mis- I misheard that, 105 billion. Yeah. Uh, on top of the estimated $438 billion that could have been saved in a non-pandemic year. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. yeah. So yeah. a total of almost a half a, well, half a trillion dollars. People who do not have insurance usually do not have primary care, a primary care doctor. Right. Which means they are more likely to suffer from preventable diseases. They also tend to wait longer to see a doctor when they fall ill. These two factors already contribute to higher mortality rates in non-pandemic years, and they compounded the impacts of COVID-19. Prior to the pandemic, 28 million American adults were uninsured. Nine million more lost their insurance as a result of unemployment because of COVID-19. So we're in the 37 million exactly. people now. Exactly, yeah. The researchers found that a single-payer health care system, oh my goodness, would it work? It would generate savings in three ways. And this is silly why we don't have this. More efficient investment in preventive care, lowered administrative costs, and increased negotiation power for pharmaceuticals, equipment, and fees. Yes. Plus, if you, especially in the pandemic, if you're keeping the whole population uh, away from the disease, if they're a healthy population, you, no matter how rich you are, have less of a chance of being sick. Yeah. It's good for you, you greedy bastards. Yeah. We're, again, as you we have pointed out numerous times, we're the only industrial country of, of our stature in the world to not have a public health, not only uh, universal coverage, but a, a, a robust public health system, yeah. which is what we've talked about before. This really pulled the covers back on how crappy our public health system is in addition to private care. Yep. So, And the single-payer health care system, researchers found, would have produced a net savings of $459 billion yeah. in 2020 and $438 billion in a non-pandemic year. Yeah. So, they, they just have immense the power. There's some crazy number like there's how many lobbies? There are ten lobbyists for every legislator in in Washington. Yeah. That from the just from the medical um, businesses, and uh, they and watch cable TV. You can't go more than fifteen minutes without seeing many different ads for pharmaceuticals and for all kinds of crazy stuff that's related to health. They really have a stranglehold on our political system. Side effects include detachable yeah. penis. <laughs> yeah. 
You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. Yeah, that's right, that is pretty funny. We're talking about uh, Lake Mead water a lot lately. Yeah. And all the stuff that's going on with yeah. the water. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about it some more. Why not? From Palm Springs Desert Sun, a top federal water official told Congress that shortages on the Colorado River system have taken an even grimmer turn with a whopping 2 million to 4 million acre feet of reduction in water use needed by 2023 just to keep Lake Mead functioning and physically capable of delivering drinking water, irrigation, and power to millions of people. So we got to save that much. Tell me, Nathan, how are we doing on conservation? Tell me, Nathan, how are we doing on conservation here in California? Awful. Yeah. It just keeps... We're we, actually we keep increasing our... Yeah. Yeah. Levels at the reservoir have dropped to an all-time low of 28% of capacity with no relief in sight. Accelerating climate change, including hotter temperatures leading to earlier and less snowfall, drier soil, and other conditions have created declines in reclamation systems never seen before. Nearly 25 million residents and farmers in the Coachella and Imperial Valleys and residents of major cities like Los Angeles, San Diego, Phoenix, and others rely on the lower Colorado River Basin system. Between 2 and 4 million acre-feet is needed just to protect critical levels in 2023. We are 150 feet of elevation in Lake Mead from 25 million Americans losing access to Colorado River water. And when that happens, it's really going to get tough around here. Yeah. 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 We, we don't have the aquifer system to really be able to maintain any kind of appreciable amount of water. We don't have the resources. We just don't. Yeah. We have, uh, what is it? Phoenix is now the fourth or fifth largest city in the country. So we have Los Angeles, second largest. Uh -huh. San Francisco, which isn't even in the top 15, but San Diego is. Yeah. And we have huge metropolitan areas that will that absolutely cannot function without water, a lot of water. We're going to run out of water. I think I think we have to start wrapping our minds around the fact that we're going to run out of enough water, certainly to live the way we do now, but in, in ways that will very much alter the way we think about our lives. We've already run out of enough water to live the way we're living right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it does, hasn't sunken into people yet. No. They're still doing what they've always been doing. Yeah. And it's not going to work. And then they're going to bitch about it. They're going to be very upset, and they're going to complain as to why no one told them this was going to happen. When we have been telling people, of responsible people, people of authority have been telling you for the last 20 years that we have a problem with water. Yeah. Meanwhile, from High Country News, Montana, unprecedented flooding in the Yellowstone National Park area inundated homes, devoured roads, swept away bridges, isolated entire towns, and shut down one of America's busiest and most famous national parks. It was yet another indication of the impacts climate change on the flood and drought-ridden communities across the West. You saw you saw the footage, I'm sure, right? Oh yeah, the the river, uh, <clears throat> the river out the highway there. Yeah, highways, bridges swallowing up that huge 
cabin, whatever yeah. that lodge was. Yep. A climate assessment for the greater Yellowstone ecosystem put together by Montana State University, the University of Wyoming, and the U.S. Geological Survey, among others, showed that the upper Yellowstone area warmed by about 2 degrees Fahrenheit between 1950 and 2018. Over the same period, peak river flows began arriving about 12 days earlier, and late spring rain rose by 20%. It's amazing and awe-inspiring, but it's also exactly what we as climate scientists have expected for decades. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as Mike and I have expected it for decades, because we actually listen to these people who spend their lives studying these things rather than politicians who just want to blow hot air and get votes and all they care about is getting elected rather than protecting people. Yeah, this was uh, Marshall Shepard who said that's exactly what climate scientists, what we as climate scientists have expected for decade, decades. He's the director of the Atmospheric Sciences Program at the University of Georgia and former president of the American Meteorological Society. He explained that climate change is causing the water cycle to accelerate, fueled by earlier snowmelt combined with increasingly intense rainfall. It's a tale of two extremes, he said, at the same time that much of the West is facing debilitating heat waves, extreme wildfires, and the worst drought in 1,200 years. Climate change is also amplifying the worst rainfall events, including the atmospheric river that dump moisture on the Yellowstone area. We can no longer talk about this as a future tense that this is going to happen and this is what climate change is going to do for flooding in the Montana, it's here. That is such an important part, and I know I've talked about it this I've talked about this before, and that is we have to start talking about climate and the world that we'll we'll be living in twenty or thirty years from and maybe even ten years from now. We have to start talking about it in ways that are embracing the fact that it is going to happen. Well, it's we, happening. Yes. That's his point. I, but we're not even, his point there. Yeah, that is exactly. It's happening. That's what we I'm have saying. to do these things now. Exactly. It's not five years from exactly now or ten years from now. Exactly what I'm trying to say. And we should have been talking about them 20 years exactly, ago. Exactly, exactly. We yeah. have to start talking about them in real terms and about it's here exactly. Instead of talking about, well, what are we going to do at the next COP meeting? What are What are the goals for the next COP meeting, which is yeah. the climate change conference that they have every year we have to stop no if you're a leader a political leader now you have to start talking about what how are we going to manage our way through this and we're not doing that well i know you once suggested a cross-country water pipeline yeah yeah and uh, i did a little bit of looking into that okay In 1961, Ralph Parsons, the wealthy founder of a wildly successful international engineering firm, was trying to end the Southern California drought back in 1961. He devised a continental-scale plumbing project called the North American Water and Power Alliance. The planners envisioned diverting water from some rivers in Alaska south through Canada via the Rocky Mountain Trench and other routes to the U.S. and would involve 369 separate construction projects. The project had two major drawbacks. It would destroy anything resembling nature in Western North America, (laughs) and it might require taking Canada by force because they'd be that against it. This North American, uh, what you call it a NAWAPA, 
Yeah, the <laughs> North American Water and Power Alliance would require the construction of 369 individual dams, canals, pipelines, tunnels, and pumping stations that would siphon water from the Rocky Mountains in Canada. So Canada is not going to be happy about this. Its builders would have to move 32 billion cubic yards of earth and 30 million tons of steel. Its largest proposed dam would be 1,700 feet tall, more than twice the height of Hoover Dam and far taller than any dam in the world today, including all those in China. We're talking like 700 feet taller. Okay, so there's a few bugs in the idea. No, yeah. And I, Parsons Folly isn't the only pipeline idea. Okay. We could build a water pipeline from the Mississippi River. Moving that water all the way to Los Angeles would mean piping at least 18, uh, 1,800 miles across five states. So the engineering and permitting and political challenges alone, alone would take forever, if at all. China did it. But China is a totalitarian state. So we could go that way. And we're kind of moving but, in that but, direction but, but, anyway. But I want, what I want to seize on in, in that is that someone came up with this idea, and at least it's engineering-wise viable. Is that my takeaway? It is well, viable. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's, it, so I'm, not, I'm I just mean, saying. physics, yeah. You can move water from one place to the other. Well, I, again, yeah. Nathan, I don't know that we're going to have much choice. I don't either. How about not using so much water? I agree with that. How about of course not I do. living in areas that require that much I agree. pumped in water to go to? I period. Agree. But this That's is... it. Forget about moving all this stuff around. Move your own damn self. All right. I'm just saying. If you don't like it here, if it's too much for you, if it costs too much money, I guess you're going to have to move. I, I understand sharing the, the uh, responsibility, but, you know, in other words... Yeah putting a lot of public money into getting water here, but doesn't it seem a little bit silly it when does. we're not doing enough to even prevent you know, well, having let, the Colorado River run dry? Yeah, no, let me be clear. I am not saying, hey, party on. Oh, I know. I'm just I know. saying, in a, if we're in a dire situation where there are, you know, how many people live on this side of the Rockies? 60 million people? Yeah. I don't know. I what are we going to do when 60 million people, not that all of them will run out of water, but when, when 20 million of them have... Uh, they'll move. A, okay. Yeah. They'll, okay. Get, they'll get plastic bottles of water, get upset. Some of them will die, and yeah. they'll move. All right. And that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. I'm not yeah. trying to be so hard-ass yeah. about yeah. it, but you could build a desalination plant along the West Coast, but that's going to destroy the environment, right. too. Right. So we're going to have a short-term solution where you destroy the environment in both these cases. I agree. I agree. Or... <laughs> and cause a war with Canada, or you're just going to, you know, be a big boy and go somewhere else. And I don't know if there's any good place to go anymore anyway, not to be yeah. that negative about it, but you can find water, certainly, probably too much water. As, just to go back to Mr. Shepard, who said about extremes, he was talking about it's happening now, it's happening now. The climate scientists have said this for a long time. Climate change is about extremes. They've You're going to get a lot of water. You're not going to have any water. The, the effing petroleum companies in the late 70s were talking about the carbonization of the atmosphere and the long-term impacts on uh -huh. weather in the 19, late 1970s. Yeah. They were, they were, codified, they were uh, uh, confirming the research and the impact it was going to have on the planet 45 years ago. Yep. From Smithsonian Magazine, for the first time ever, microplastics have been found in fresh Antarctic snow. So 
Incredibly sad, said Alex Aves, leader, author, and researcher from the University of Canterbury in New Zealand. Uh, but finding microplastics in fresh Antarctic snow highlights the extent of plastic pollution into even the most remote regions of the world. Microplastics have been found in almost every corner of the globe where researchers have looked, including on top of mountains and in remote ocean water. But scientists have not studied microplastics such as much in the southern hemisphere, particularly in Antarctica. All 19 of the samples of fresh snow the researchers collected contained plastic, with an average of 29 microplastic particles per liter of melted snow. The team found a total of 13 different plastics in snow samples. The most common was polyethylene terephthalate, which is used to make soft drink bottles and clothes. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. So stop buying so many new clothes, too, for what it's worth. It takes a lot of water yes. to make clothes. Water, yes, and yeah. the production of clothing is a huge part component part of that. Yeah. By the way, I thought you—did we talk about this last week? I can't remember. Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. Okay. I All don't right. know what you're talking about. What is it? Oh, I'm did sorry. Did we talk about this? Did we talk about— uh, Let's see. Uh, uh, MIT uh, student, there was a project. They developed a $4 solar desalination yeah. device. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that's— I know. Very small scale. I know, and it's crap. And, it's it, and it's, it's a false sense of security. Oh, I can buy one of these and everything's going to be fine. But the fact is we're going to have to develop technology along the, the, the lines of what this is yeah. in order to survive. That's all. That's, but it's, well, yeah. in order to survive as is. As is, yeah. Okay, enough bad news about water. <sighs> Want to smoke a joint? Uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about, Nathan. I have no idea what you're saying. From Reuters News Service, Thailand launched a campa- campaign to give away one million free cannabis plants. Cannabis? Cannabis. Huh. A day after decriminalizing cannabis growth for commercial purposes. But uh. the government discouraged people from getting high and warned that they could still be arrested. This makes no sense. (laughs) It does not make any sense. Don't use it and sit smiling at home and not get any work done. Those things are not our policies, Thailand's health minister said. Yeah. So you're going to give away a million free cannabis plants and say don't smoke it. This is coming from a country that was at one time the breadbasket for poppy production in the world. Uh, Thailand legalized medicinal marijuana in 2018 for medical use, but is now banking on developing it as a cash crop. However, smoking a cannabis, a joint, smoking cannabis in public could lead to prison and fines. Growing cannabis at home is okie dokie, however, (laughs) and requires it only that you register with a government smartphone application, Pluk Ganja. Pluk Ganja. Pluk Pluk, P-L-O-O-K, ganja. It's one word there, or, you know, it's one of those two words combined into one because they put a capital letter on one and grammed them together. It means grow ganja, Yeah, grow marijuana. You know, this sounds like they're trying to get you to register and then boom. That's it. They're going to get you. They're going to clamp down on you. More than 300,000 people have already registered with Pluk ganja. Uh Uh-oh. And according to Thailand's Corrections Department, 3,000 people have been freed from prison after being held on cannabis-related crimes since the law changed this week. Well, I've got to imagine that what I've read about growing marijuana is at a place like Thailand, you could probably grow some pretty 
hardcore stuff. Hardcore. You know, Indeed. You know Indeed. Uh, how about you, Mom? You like that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Wow. I didn't think quick. you could get it, Mahler, to say pluke like that. Pluk? Yeah. He really pluke. From Rolling Stone. is an old magazine. Oh, yeah. For old people. Yeah. Prison tourism often relies heavily on the spooky, the gruesome, and the salacious to attract visitors for an afternoon of ducking into cells and taking selfies in striped in suits. It's the prison tourism thing. And they're finally, this is a nice article in Rolling Stone talking about how people are finally saying, enough of this nonsense. Yeah. Uh, the entire industry, built largely on entertainment at the expense of incarcerated people's suffering, is grappling with a growing criminal justice reform movement and the business of being challenged by questions about exploitation and voyeurism. The article is called, Gruesome Attraction of Prism Tourism is Being Challenged at Last. <laughs> At the West Virginia Penitentiary, for example, visitors can sit in a defunct electric chair. Yeah. Oh, what fun. Gosh, Mommy, I sat in an electric chair. Gee, Mommy, back in the medieval days, is this how we killed people? And they can play Escape the Pen. Yeah. Is the one I like. Yeah. An escape room style game where players have a one hour oh stay of God. execution oh granted God. by the governor to escape death. Oh, my God. The way the United States approaches prison tourism reinscribes the kind of politics that mass that support mass incarceration, said Jill McCorkle, a professor of criminology at Villanova University. It turns human suffering into spectacle. Ugh. And it does. From the Washington Post. Uh -huh. New Zealand has more sheep than people. That's not news. Yeah, it is. So it's right here yeah. on the Washington Post. New Zealand has more sheep than people. Oh, by a factor of about five. Okay. There's, there's there, a yeah, right that's there. It, yeah. So that means for every one person, yeah. you got five sheep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now what yeah. do you think about well, it? Well, there you go. It's a great story. Yeah. Now those sheep and other livestock can could be taxed for belching. <laughs> I'm adding on to the excitement of the story it's now. It's building. Yeah. It's building into a hell of a story so here. So you got it. Yeah. A yeah. sheep or a cow, yeah. and they're belching, yeah. you could be taxed. Oof. The plan is part of a larger emissions reduction initiative proposed by New Zealand's Ministry of Environment. New Zealand, with about 10 million cattle and 26 million sheep, is a major agricultural exporter. There you go. Agriculture makes up half of New Zealand's gross emissions, and putting a price on those emissions is one of the ways the country seeks to reach its 2050 zero net zero target yeah see you kids out there if you're th considering a career in journalism yeah you gotta watch the way that nathan was able to build in the tension into that yeah. story he started out with something like you 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 your head turning yeah more well, i would even say more that. sheep than people no more sheep than well i thought yeah, yeah that's true but no there's five times as many five times wow there you go. tell you me keep, more yeah keep, keep, keep yeah. with it and yeah. you keep pulling them Right through that. Oh, that's what you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Revenue from the plan will be invested yeah. in research, development, and advisory services for farmers uh, who will also receive incentives for reducing emissions through feed additives so the livestock don't uh, burp as much. <laughs> Cows and sheep are ruminants, meaning they have special complex digestive systems with multi-chambered stomachs to digest their food. Yes. Yeah. Cows do too. Uh, but as their feed ferments, because it's just hanging around in yeah, there. Yeah, it's just sitting there. Turn yeah. it into wine. Or it's something. in their body yeah. and it ferments yeah. and it produces methane as yeah. a byproduct. Yeah. And that needs to be belched out. Mm 
The process has them releasing up to 500 liters of methane daily each. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, now, now we're on to something here. Methane is a greenhouse gas, of wow. course, you know. It's That's more than lot. 25 times more potent uh, than carbon dioxide. It also doesn't last as long. So it's, it's, you can't just say 25 times more potent. It's 25 times more potent initially. But it dissipates. But it dissipates. Okay. And carbon dioxide but stays in the not, atmosphere. still not good. But... No, it's not good at all. High-resolution satellites have observed car, cow burps uh, from outer space. Yeah, so they're giving him new feet. Not individual copper, but the <laughs> methane, the combined methane. There's Bertha. Yeah. There's, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, uh, yes, we have to stop doing that. Yeah. We have to stop buying as much meat so that we don't have as many cows and sheep. Yeah. I just like to briefly talk about the hearings we're having in Washington, D.C. Okay. And, and uh, uh, you know, what happened on January 6th. Okay. And just my, my, my one little takeaway, there's been all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. I hope that they lock Trump up. That's me personally. But what I find kind of distressing is the dumbing down of, of Mike Pence, of, 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 the, of, uh, of us, mm -hmm. of our expectations mm -hmm. of, of politicians, mm -hmm. where you have Liz Cheney and Mike Pence now are supposedly heroes. Yeah. And they're not. Uh, they they helped create this mess, yeah. and at least they had the good sense to back away from it. But the idea that Mike Pence is a hero, well, he's a hero in one instance. Yeah. And it completely dumbed down people's expectations of what to expect out of politicians. This this is not, he's at a point where he was about to start a revolution and, and backed away from it. That does not make him a hero. And the same with Liz Cheney. It just, it, I just feel uh, offended by the whole thing. Yeah. And I'm afraid, too, that this is some sort of, yeah, I don't know if it's uh, a, uh, a conspiracy, if they're planning on this, but it's giving the Republicans an out. Exactly what I've been saying for a long time. Yeah. I know, it, thank you. I, what I have warned on this program and with anyone who will listen to me, which is a decreasing number of people, and that is... The idea that the Republicans now have the narrative about the history of Donald Trump and his administration. Now, the fact is that this, the committee was very smart in, in, the, in the sense of having Republicans tell the story of the coup, of yeah. the attempted coup, because they were there. You can't question their credibility. They were in the room when it was happening. But at the same time, let's keep in mind that these people knew what was going on in real time for months and months and months. Oh, hell, they knew about it since Reagan took over. Right. Th yeah. th that's right. When, when government became the enemy is when this all started. Exactly. And that's exactly right. the road Le Reagan led that's us just, down. This is where we are. And exactly right. So for them now, and they were saying in public, uh-uh, oh, no, there'll be a peaceful transfer of power. No problem. They were telling us something that they knew to be in a lie. Yeah. They knew it was, at least they knew that he was going to move forward with the most insane, crazy, dictatorial plan that any American president has ever thought about doing, yeah. ever. So you're absolutely right. I've been, thank you for pointing that out. Again, I think Liz Cheney gets a little more of a pass. She's been saying Trump's who he is for a long time. She got us in this state, though. Yes. It took a, a crazy man like Trump Yes. To, to actually make her change your mind. That's but it's, right. it's the whole 
Reaganomics and everything yeah, since then just get, keeps getting worse and worse and what uh, uh, Charles Pierce calls the prion disease yeah. of the Republican Party. Yeah. That somehow a government elected uh, by people who were trying to do, you know, I know it's not perfect, but that's the plan. Yeah. That we have representatives in Congress. Somehow that's not right. Somehow that's destructive. Somehow right. that that's a bad thing. Right. You name, you come up with something better. I'll try it. But, but the totalitarian state that both Pence and Cheney really have in their heart ain't right. going to work. Exactly. And let's not forget that her father was part of the cadre of people that were surrounding Richard Nixon at the time he was president and were there for Gerald Ford and through yeah. Reagan. And they were talking about the imperial presidency, the the idea that the president can do anything he wants. Well, they whenever. got it. And they got it. Yeah. They, they, they didn't count on a grifter politician um, sexual predator to be president, but they got it. Yep. And now they can't get out of it without an exorcism. And they're not going to get out of this. I well, At least to your point, maybe they will get out of it. And they don't deserve to get out from under it. And finally, from First Post, to help with its a, uh, a Keep Our City Clean campaign, the Swedish city of Malmö installed talking trash cans. If you drop trash into one of these new talking trash cans, you'll be rewarded with positive feedback from a sultry female voice who offers a range of trashy talk like, Oh yes, right there, yes. <laughs> Come back soon and do that again. Mmm. <laughs> a little bit more to the left next time. <laughs> the sentences are part of the campaign's intention to get more people to talk about the dirtiest thing there is, littering, said Marie Pearson, section chief of Malma's Roads Department. So please, go ahead and feed the bins with more rubbish. Yes, just like that. <laughs> You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review Podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.